Today's reading is from Exodus, uh, starting at the start of chapter 5. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and make their own straw, gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men, so they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the foremen went out and said to the people, this is what the Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you each day, just as you had straw. The Israelite foremen appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers were beaten and were asked, Why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants have been given no straw, yet we are told, make your bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them, and they said, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made for us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. This is the word of the Lord. Like to stand? Second one. Go back one. Yeah, I can go back. Okay. That's it, yeah. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Do you know, I had a dream last night. And it was most peculiar because in the middle of it, a man said to me, do you know you've got the loudest voice I've ever heard? 
I don't know what the dream was all about, and I haven't got a loud voice, but it must mean something. But as long as you can hear me at the back. Let's just pray. <clears throat> Father, speak into our hearts and into our situation. Whatever's happening to us at the moment, speak into that, Lord, and teach us to trust you more, to see that you are a faithful God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're thinking today about Moses and whether the mission should be aborted because everything had gone wrong. First I want to ask a question. Have you ever been in a desperate situation and cried out to God? Now I just imagine everyone had, I don't know about the younger ones, your time will come. <laughs> I just imagine everyone at some time or other has said, God, help. And have you ever found, not only that God hasn't helped, but it's actually got worse? I've found this, it's as if he turns his face away, and everything goes black, and yet we're walking in obedience. So why does that happen? In fact, it's a common experience. I imagine most of us here have been through it. And it happened to Moses and Aaron. And I want to see, what's going on here? Is God not listening? Doesn't he care? Is it that he can't or won't help us? We need to understand what happens at a time like that so that we can keep going and not lose our faith. And I want to say here, this could be called an adult sermon, but I believe that God speaks to us all at any age. In fact, I was three when the Spirit first nudged me and moved me towards Jesus. And I know there are others here who started to love Jesus at an early age. So whatever age you are, this is for you, because God wants to teach you something as well as all the rest of us. So let's look first at Moses and Aaron's situation and see what lessons we can learn. Can somebody, t if you've got, not many people, have anybody got a Bible, can anybody tell what the first word was that Tim read in the chapter? Ah, who said that? Somebody was listening afterwards. Very important word, because we have to say, after what? This, did you get it, Lisa? <laughs> this chapter comes afterwards. What had led up to the events? Well, first of all, in chapter 3, what's that a picture of? Anyone tell me? Burning bush. Now, bushes often burnt in the desert, but this one wasn't consumed. It went on and on and on burning. And God spoke out of this bush to Moses and promised to take him out of Egypt with the people and into a land of their own. In chapter 4... Do you know what that is? Any idea? It's when God used Moses' staff, an ordinary staff of wood, and he turned it into a snake and then turned it back again. And then he made his hand leprous and then healed it again to show Moses that he was a God of power. There was nothing that he couldn't do. He told Moses that he would be with him and that Aaron could speak for him, and that the Egyptians would be set free, 
and they would go to a land of their own. So Moses listens to all this and it adds up to instant victory with minimum hardships. So he goes to Pharaoh expecting to be set free. There they are going to Pharaoh. But that's not how things worked out. How did Pharaoh feel? Angry. angry. He thought the people were lazy. You see, since they'd first heard from God that God was going to rescue them, they started to want to worship him and commit their lives to him. And they wanted one day off in seven as his special day. And Pharaoh saw all this as laziness. They just want to get out of doing the work. So he was angry. The foreman started beating the people to make them work harder. And they even said they wouldn't provide straw for making the bricks. Now I know nothing about making bricks and I didn't know straw came into it at all. But I found out that the bricks were made from the, the clay in the water, river clay, and the straw was needed to get air into them so they would dry quicker and then they'd be more successfully fired. That's why they needed the straw. And the people were told they had to go and find their own straw, which meant it took much, much longer, but they're expected to make the same number of bricks. Now they'd cried out to the Lord. He had told them he would deliver them. Their expectations were raised. This great God is going to take us out of Egypt. And it suddenly seems as if God's let them down. They were devastated. Where was God? Why the silence? Why hadn't he acted? And how did Moses feel? He carried out God's plan in every detail and it had totally misfired. Not only had the mission failed, but his own people were accusing him of getting it all wrong. So he goes back to God. Why have you brought harm to these people? Why did you send me in the first place? And I'm sure we've all felt like that. I can remember once when I had a tussle over whether to obey God or not. I wanted to go a certain direction and I knew God was taking me in another. And I had that inner tussle. I'm sure we've all been there, haven't we? Who's going to win out? In the end, I chose obedience. And God turned his face away. I went into blackness. And I thought, well, where is he? I've chosen to obey. Why isn't he helping me? And sometimes this can happen. And we need to understand what God's doing in that. Because in fact, he hadn't abandoned me. And he led me to read about Joseph in the prison. If you remember when Joseph was a slave, this is back in Genesis, he refused to sin and he ended up in prison. But the prison was the pathway to the place by the throne. It was all in God's plan. And I read this and I realized just because God seemed to have turned his back on me, just because it seemed to be blackness, that wasn't so. He was really working out his plan for me. But I want you young ones especially to notice there can be times when you're walking with Jesus, doing what's right, and things seem to go wrong. And this is where trust comes in, that God is at work. He is still taking care of us. I want just to share briefly, when David was first called into the ministry, he had a good job and he had chance of promotion. 
And then we felt God was calling him to leave it and go into the ministry. And the boss called David in and said, you can have this promotion if you forget all about the church and stay and work at your job. But David said, no, God's called me into the ministry. So he then came to see me, and I said the same thing. And so David lost his job. He was thrown out, no job. And he did a few odd jobs while we waited for him to go to theological college. But people didn't pay their bills. And we went for a time with no money. And the food in the house went down, down, down. And in the end, we were having a small bowl of rice for the one meal a day and drinking water. And you know, we often say, I'm starving. And usually it's because we haven't eaten for three hours, isn't it? Something like that. I'm starving. And you can see by our bodies we're not starving. But we felt we were. We got beyond that, that feeling of hunger. We just felt a bit unreal, almost as if we were sleepwalking. We felt very strange because we knew our bodies weren't getting enough. And through all that, I thought, well, where's God in this? We've got into this situation because God's called us. Why isn't he taking care of us? Why is, isn't the food coming in? And I started to think that perhaps the Bible was a pack of lies. I thought we'd been conned. God isn't a God who takes care of his people. He doesn't care about us. And I, I felt really, really low. And I can remember one day, kneeling down by my bed, tears pouring down my face. And I said, Lord, you're everything to me. You're my whole world. I've got to believe in you. There's, life isn't worth living if you're not real and the Bible isn't true. And after that, I felt peace inside. And even though things hadn't changed, I thought, God is real. He is there for us. And it shortly after that, David went through a similar experience. Shortly after that, the money started coming in again. And I learned a vital lesson. Don't go by feelings. Don't go by circumstances. Go by God's word. Because we're still here. We didn't starve, did we? We're still alive. And God was in it, teaching us to believe his word, to stake everything on his word. So that was the reason we went through a time of, of blackness. But why did this mission of, of Moses and Aaron seem to fail? What was God doing there? Well, if we look back to chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, we see that God had warned Moses that Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go immediately. He wasn't going to be moved by Moses' words or Aaron's words. He was only going to be moved through God's mighty power. In fact, Moses' words hardened Pharaoh's heart. So there was an opportunity for God's power to be seen, to be revealed. Moses obviously hadn't taken this in. He'd heard part of the promise, the people will be set free, but he hadn't heard all of it. He hadn't taken it in. And he expected to be able to convince Pharaoh to let them go. But if he'd been successful, they would have had three days in the wilderness worshipping God and, and nothing else, back again. But God wanted total deliverance, brought about by the death of the firstborn son, as we'll see next week, and the Passover lamb. And this was to be an amazing visual aid of our deliverance through Jesus. So even though the mission seemed to have failed, 
It was actually right on course. God knew what he was doing. So what are the lessons for us in all this? The first ones we need to understand God's promises. It's so easy to just pick part of something from a verse in the Bible and not really know what God's saying. We need to know the whole context of it. And is it really for us? Not every word in the Bible is for us all the time. If it says for those in Christ, we can know it's for us. If in the Old Testament it talks about promises for God's people, we know that's for us. But other promises may be and may not be. And we need the voice of the Spirit to say, this is for you. And I want to say this again to the young people, that you can hear God's voice from a very early age. You don't have to be an adult to hear God's voice. He can speak to your heart. He can give you promises that are just for you. And you need to respond to that. But also, see if there's a condition attached. Because sometimes God says, if you do this, I will do that. Read the promise carefully. See if there's anything that you need to, need to do first before God does his part. Accept his timing. There's a verse in Hebrews that says, you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. So there's a gap between obedience and receiving, and that may be a long gap. When David was a curate in Carlisle, which was about 40 years ago, I was working in the village of Cummersdale, just outside, and God told me he was going to do wonderful things in that village. And I loved the people there. I prayed for them. I wept for them. I'd have given my life for them. But nothing changed them. Nobody came to the Lord. Nobody moved on with God. The five years we were there. And after about three and a half years, I went back to God. And I said, you said you would do wonderful things. And he said very clearly, I didn't say in your time. And that kept me going the whole of the five years. And I'm still praying now, 40 years later. And if you ever hear revivals broken out in Cummersdale, that's the place that God said he would do wonderful things. But I've had to hold on. It's all in God's timing. We want everything instant. He says, you obey, you trust, you endure, wait patiently, and you will receive. That is his promise. And the last point I want to make, very, very important, trust his faithfulness. Oswald Chambers said, I don't mind what God does. It's who he is I care about. Once we know him and know that he is faithful, know that there's no way he could let us down, then a lot of our questions don't need to be asked. It doesn't matter anymore what he's doing or not doing. We know that he's at work for good because we know that he loves us. It's totally impossible for God to let us down. It goes against his nature. He can't do it. So I want to say again to you young ones, I wish someone had told me as a young teenager that I could go through times of darkness 
and God could seem to turn his face away. Nobody told me. I wish they had. But I want to say to you, if you go through that, when you go through that, it doesn't mean that God's let you down. It's a testing time. He's there working all the time on your behalf. He cannot let you down. He can't. And if something comes to your mind saying, this is a lie, that comes from the devil. God is trustworthy. Another thing that Oswald Chambers said, which I've said before, but which means a lot to me, when you can't discern his hand, trust his heart. So if everything seems black, he doesn't seem to be caring, he's turned away, we can say, I know, Lord, you are trustworthy. I do trust you. I want to close with another quote from a Christian rock band, Barlow Girl. I don't know if any of you have ever heard some lovely songs from Barlow Girl. And this is one of my favorites. How long will my prayers seem unanswered? Is there still faith in me to reach the end? I'm feeling doubt. I'm losing faith. But giving up would cost me everything. So I'll stand in the pain and silence, and I'll speak to the dark night. I believe in the sun, even when it isn't shining. I believe in love, even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Amen.